Now turn with me in your Bible this morning to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 21. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. We've had a number of readings and quotations from the scriptures by the children. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every meal that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed him and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Amen. We know that God will bless to us this reading of his own precious, infallible word. Let's just have a little prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the sense of thy presence with us today. We thank you for the help given to the boys and girls to sing thy praise and to read from the scriptures about the preciousness of the birth of Christ. And it is true that Jesus alone is the reason for the season. And oh God, if there's no Christ in Christmas, then there's no real celebration of this time of the year. And we pray that you'll make that real even to our hearts at this time. We ask thee now to linger with us as we have read together from thy word. And as we meditate on thy truth, we pray that thy word will be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And as we offer prayer at this Christmas time, we think of our missionaries, especially those that are abroad, those in Spain. Oh God, remember the Boyds and the Hannas. Remember those, Lord, in Australia at this time. Remember the Reverend Gardner, the Reverend Hall and their families. And, O oh God, we pray, too, that you remember the work of God, even in the land of Africa. And we thank you for our missionaries there. And we know that when they're separated <coughs> from their loved ones at this time, they'll be thinking about home and family. They'll be thinking, Lord, about Christmases in the past. And we just commit them to thee and to thy grace and pray for thy strengthening. We pray for all that are homeless at this time. 
We thank you for those, Lord, that are opening up uh, their uh, places of employment, even to provide dinner on Christmas Day for those that have nothing to eat tomorrow. And we pray you'll bless them in their labour of love. We think of those that are addicted to alcohol and drug abuse and those, Lord, who have been through the mill and those who have been to the graveside and back. And, Lord, we, we, we think of all these problems in society. And we, we cry to thee that thou will undertake, bring deliverance to those that are addicted to drink or drugs. And, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name for those that stand in need of comfort through the tragedy of death, that thou will be unto them such as they would need at this time. Now, Lord, remember our churches. Remember our land and all its need. And we pray for a revival of true Bible-believing religion, even for the land of Ulster at this time. Have mercy upon us and visit us with much grace. Now, Lord, just linger with us here. We pray that thy word this morning will be a, a nail in a sure place and most suitable for all who hear it, young and old alike, saint and sinner alike, to thy glory. Just be with us now. Cleanse and cover us in the blood. And accept of our thanks for another Christmas time here. And O oh God, we look to thee that in future Christmases that we'll be celebrating in the new building. And O oh God, may we have more children, even for the Sunday school, than perhaps we could feel we can even cope with. Hear and answer prayer. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Now my text this morning is taken from Luke chapter 2 and the verse 22 it says and when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and my theme this morning for a short time is lessons from Christ being presented to the Lord now the word present has been in my mind for the past two weeks because I saw a sign at the side of the road and it said this, young people, if you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift, look no further. Seek God's perfect gift. Now, who is God's perfect gift or what is God's perfect gift? Surely that's a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The Lord Jesus Christ is God's perfect Christmas gift. It was the best of course, gift that ever could be offered to the children of men. Reminds me of a story of a little boy that saved up to buy a present for his mummy. And he went along to the shop and he spoke to the sales assistant and he told her, I, I would like to buy a dress for my mummy. And of course, there was 50% off in this shop. And uh, the sales assistant said to the little boy, well, well, what size is she? And he says, well, I don't know. She says, it'd be helpful maybe if you could describe her. Is she fat? Is she thin? Is, is she tall? Is she short? Well, miss, my mother is just perfect. So she sent a size 10 to 12 dress home with the wee boy and he presented it to his mother on Christmas Day. And she said, son, it's lovely. And she gave him a big hug. And then after Christmas, the woman came into the shop, of course, to exchange the dress for she was looking for a size 20. You see, in that wee boy's eyes, he had a mother in the million. My mother is just perfect. And because he had a, felt he had a perfect mother, he wanted the perfect present for her. And you know, young people, boys and girls, it's great to have a godly mother, a praying mother, 
A mother who loves Jesus Christ. A mother who looks upon Christ herself as the greatest Christmas present ever and wants her children to grow up with that knowledge. It was Billy Sunday who thanked God for a godly praying mother. And this is what he said, All hell can't turn away a boy from a praying mother. Now that's tremendous. Did you know that Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles Wesley, had 17 children? Imagine having 17 children. I would love families with 17 children. Right? Just, just imagine the busyness of the house. Just imagine the noise. Uh, imagine feeding time. All right. But did you know that Susanna Wesley had given one hour of every day to get alone and to meet with God? Even though she lived in a small house with 17 children, she met with God every day. Is it any wonder that she produced two boys, John and Charles, who along with the Reverend George Whitfield, seen revival in England and of course I believe that um, Susanna Wesley was a mother in a million just about perfect and you know Mary was a mother in a million if we, if we study Luke chapter 1 and verse 2 or Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2 very carefully we would see Mary practicing the will of God this is what she said she says in Luke chapter 1 and in the verse um, 34, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Mary submitted herself to the will of God. And then, of course, we have Mary's song in Luke chapter 1 verse at 46. And, uh, of course, what a tremendous song it is, right through to verse 55. Then you've got Mary praising the Lord. And then you, of course, have Mary pondering, because one of the children read, and uh, we're, we're, we're told there, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2 and verse 19. She's pulling all the pieces of the jigsaw together about the birth of this baby called Jesus. And then later on in uh, this portion, in verse 22, you've got Mary's presentation. We, 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 we read, and presented him to the Lord. Now, what's she presenting? She's presenting her newborn son to the Lord. Now, just for a moment, I, I want you to think of this. The word present is used 136 times in the Bible. 136 references to the word present. And you could add in presence. You could add in presented or presenting. The first reference is in Genesis 32 verse 13. Jacob had a present for Esau his brother. And that was really a, a present of appeasement. Or, or a present of, of atonement to try and bring about reconciliation between him and his brother for the sin that he committed against him. The last reference is Jude 24. And that's a reference of accomplishment. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. And to present your faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And in between you've got this present of what I'm calling aggrandizement. The background to this is this. 
According to the law of God, Leviticus 12, every Jewish mother, after the birth of a child, had to do four things. If it was a male child, the firstborn, there was circumcision that took place. That was a sign of the covenant. That was to indicate the child was in covenant relationship with the Lord. Then the child was to be named. And of course, in this case, it was Jesus. And then he was to present it to the Lord at a certain time. You see, seven days after he was born, into the eighth day, the circumcision took place. And then on the 40th day, uh, he, he, he was brought to the house of God and presented to the Lord. And of course, involved in that, uh, the fourth thing was the mother's purification by sacrifice. And these four things that I've mentioned have their roots in the Old Testament. And do you know what they tell us? They tell us this, that Jesus Christ was a Jew. I think of a Jewish man by the name of Gideon Miller. He married a, a German woman. She had grew up as one of uh, Hitler's youth in that era. This man, of course, had a drink problem. He was a gambling addict. Uh, and uh, he, he ended up in Las Vegas. And he was a down and out. And he was in Alcoholics Anonymous. And he was in an old church basement waiting on others coming to have a, a group discussion therapy about how to give up their drink. And in waiting for the others to come, he, he got a copy of the Bible. And he opened it up at Matthew, the genealogy of Christ that we preached on last Sunday night. Remember, the family tree of Jesus, the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And this was the thought that struck him. Jesus Christ was a Jew. I'm a Jew. What was he like? What did he do? He started reading through the New Testament. He read it regularly and eventually, of course, over a period of time, he came to Christ. You see, the Lord Jesus, the baby in Bethlehem's manger, let's never forget, he was a Jew. He was born a Jew. He was born into a Jewish home. He lived in the land of Israel. He had a Jewish mother. And, and this portion here gives us an insight into that mother in a million, an insight into that home, an insight into that culture into which he was born. It just reminds me, as I've read it, of how Jewish the Lord Jesus really is and, and our connection then to the land of Israel. So, so let's think for a few moments. Lessons from Christ being presented to the Lord. Now here's the first thing. Think of the presentation of Christ. If you look at verse 22, it says, They brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. We're told what Mary did in verse 22. They brought him to Jerusalem and they presented him to the Lord. Now, he was 40 days old. That means he was five or six weeks. And, of course, um, you can just picture that. The, the mother carrying the baby in her arms and presenting him to the Lord. That's her action. And here we are, we're thinking again about Christmas 2017. No, no doubt that we will give presents one to another. And of course, if you have bought a gift for your mummy, it'll be the best gift that you can buy. And of course, um, when you think of the example of Susanna Wesley and no doubt of host of others, uh, we, we, we sort of think that... Uh, uh, they're just perfect in, in the eyes of the children. And, and, and uh, I'm asking the question this morning, maybe if you're here as a mother, have you ever thought of presenting your own child 
or your children to the Lord. Wouldn't that, we have to say, be the duty and responsibility of every parent that have the gift of children from the day of conception, the day of their birth, and throughout their lives? If I was to ask the parents, what do you want best for your children? Well, what's the most perfect and most wonderful thing you could do or have happen in their lives? And surely it would be this, to present them to the Lord. It took place in the temple, the house of God. It took place, I believe, at the throne of grace. And, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of a mother praying for her children. That would be important. It took place in front of other people. That this was a powerful witness. That this was open. This was an example of the woman's obedience to the Lord and to the Lord's word. When this child is born into a Jewish home, the child had to be circumcised. The child had to be named. The child had to be presented. She herself had to be purified. This mother, the stepfather, were acting like evangelists in their own home. And of course, Presented to the Lord, not only by the mother, but when we think of the context of the gospel service, there has to be a presentation of Christ by the, the gospel minister. John 3 and 16 comes to mind. Acts 4 and 12 comes to mind. 1 Timothy 1 and 15 comes to mind. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners. First and foremost, yes, parents present their children to the Lord. Yes, they presented um, at the throne of grace. But first and foremost, Christ has got to be presented as well from the pulpit. There has to be a heralding out of the message. We preach Christ in him crucified. Christ is the saviour of the world, the only saviour of sinners. Now let me ask this morning, have you received him? Is he your Lord and saviour? Do you realise what a privilege, but, but yet what a, a responsibility is yours? Because once the presentation of Christ is made, there has to be an acceptance of that presentation. Let me tell the children another little story, a true story, of a farmer who married late in life. He had no children. Him and his wife then adopted a wee boy, and the boy's name was Timothy. And the strange thing is, after Timothy came into the home a short time, the mummy discovered that she was expecting a baby. And you could just mind the, the excitement. And eventually a little girl was born. Her name was Sharon. She grew up. Her and Timothy together. But little Sharon despised Timothy. And Timothy tried to please her and do all that he could for her. And one Christmas he, he bought her a gift. And you know what his gift was? It was a doll. Lovely doll. And he presented it to her all gift wrapped in a box. And she ripped off the paper in a Christmas morning. And she threw the dolled down in her bedroom and stamped all over it and she said to Timothy shouting at him that's what I think of your doll and he cried as he ran out of the room you mightn't think much of my doll but it cost me everything I had all the money that he had in the world as far as he was concerned as a child he had spent with that doll all to, to please his sister and aren't many doing that with Christ this Christmas aren't many despising God's perfect present, trampling under feet Christ and the, the shedding of his precious blood, saying to the Lord, really, well, that's what I think of your most perfect, costly present. The gift that's presented must be accepted. Not only is this a presentation of Christ, but if you look very carefully and very quickly, 
There's a picture of Christ here. Now, now when you look at the Bible, and I want you to look at it, you, you are adults in particular, there's something legal here. In verse 22, you've got the reference, Law of Moses. 23, the Law of the Lord. 24, the Law of the Lord. 27, the Custom of the Law. 39, according to the law. You see, let's remember that the Lord Jesus Christ, the baby in Bethlehem's manger, was made of a woman only. Naturally, he was born of a woman, but supernaturally, he was made of a woman only. And the Bible tells us in Galatians 4 and 4, he was made under the law. But when the fullness of the time was come, when the time was ripe and right, God sent forth his son, how? Made of a woman, made under the law. There's a reference to the law of the Lord. And the reference to the law here in this portion is mentioned five times. See, the Lord Jesus, remember, was born a Jew. And he was born under the law. The gospel came to the Jews first. Romans 1.16 It also came to those who didn't have the law of God presented to them in a formal setting but of course was written in their hearts. You see, there's a legal context to this here. It establishes, as I said last week, the legality and the exclusivity of who Christ is as the promised Messiah, as, as, as the King of the Jews, as the, the Heaven's King who has come. I want you to notice also there's something physical here because it says, and when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, We'll pause there. Circumcision is really a, a mark made on the body of the child. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant. It wasn't just an empty ritual. It was a sign of an internal reality of, of heart, of a change of heart. The external sign had to be a, an indicator of a change of a heart. So the external sign was pointing to an internal sign. <coughs> we ask people do you know Christ are you saved are you trusting in him as Lord and Redeemer we usually hear responses well I belong to such and such a church or, or I was baptized and what they're saying is well I've got the outward sign but for far too many for thousands it's devoid of any inward reality and that's the way it was but here's the Lord Jesus a baby eight days old and this mark is put in his body there's a shedding of blood isn't it an indicator of his physical sufferings isn't that a picture of why he came? He came to fulfill the law. And in fulfilling the law, he was going to have to suffer physically. And the Bible talks about Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. Made of a woman. Made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. Made sin for us, a sin offering, a sin bearer. Doesn't the Bible tell us he bore our sins in his own body in the tree? So there's something physical here, that mark. There's something special here. It says, and his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. You see, the name Jesus, boys and girls, means Savior. That name wasn't chosen by mommy and daddy. Your name was chosen by mommy and daddy. But Jesus' name wasn't chosen by Mary or by a stepfather, Joseph. It was chosen by God. It was given by the angel. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And do you know what? Mary and Joseph were obedient as husband and wife. 
He wasn't named after his father. Joseph, remember, wasn't his real father, only his stepfather. He was named Jesus because that's the name that God had given to him. And Mary and Joseph just obeyed the Lord and followed that divine instruction. A precious, wonderful name. Now, here's the picture made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. The Bible tells us, for he that is God made him to be sin for us, and you know sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, now think of it, the sin of sinners. All the wickedness and the lawlessness and the godlessness and, and everything else that's vile and immoral and filthy, all poured onto the head of the lovely Lord Jesus. So that he, could be the saviour of all who would trust him as Lord and Redeemer. There's something special here. A saviour. And of course there's something spiritual here. He was presented to the Lord. <coughs> the Lord Jesus was given by God as a perfect gift. And here he is when he's five or six weeks old, given up and back to the Lord. And let me just ask this morning, does that describe you? Does that describe your home? Do you look upon your children as holy to the Lord? Because Mary and Joseph did. And they were happy to present them to the Lord according to the law. And that presentation came with a sacrifice. Mary and Joseph were too poor to bring a lamb or bring an oxen. They were allowed, according to the law, to bring two pigeons or two turtle doves. That was the least expensive sacrifice that one could afford. They come from a working class background. And it wasn't the Lord Jesus made poor for us that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. The picture of Christ, it's, it's here. The, the legality of it, it's according to the law. There, there, there's, there, there's, there's something physical here. There was suffering when he was born. There's something special here. He's given a name, the name Jesus. There's something spiritual. He's presented to the Lord. One final thing, the time is gone. The promotion of Christ. He was presented to the Lord and what happened? There was an old man in the temple. His name was Simeon. He was 113 and I'll not go into that, but he was 113. And here's what an elderly Christian man who loves the Lord looks like. He's a sweet, spiritual old man. And you know what he does? He welcomes Christ. He accepted him. He responded to the presentation. Mary's coming in to present him to the Lord. And what does he do? He goes forward and takes the child from her and holds the child in his own arms. He embraced the Lord Jesus. Now, now think of it. When, when Christ is presented, it has to be accepted. And that's what Simeon did. And there's a wonderful picture of him welcoming Christ. We want you this morning to welcome Christ into your heart. To welcome Christ into your life. To welcome Christ into your arms. That, that's a privilege. That, that's a wonderful thing. If I had time this morning, which I don't, we could talk about Simeon waiting on Christ. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Looking for the Messiah. Worshipping Christ. And witnessing for Christ. And I want you this morning, if you haven't already, to welcome Christ into your heart. I want you to learn to wait on Christ and look to him. I want you to worship him with your heart. And I want you to go out and witness and tell about the salvation to the glory of God that you've experienced this morning. Present 
or presented to the Lord. It's a wonderful thing. I trust this morning that the Lord will take these few thoughts and bless them to our hearts together.